0: Hello, welcome to Gunfighter Cast, episode number 161. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel Shaw, and I'm here with Varg Freeborn. Varg, how are you? I'm doing good today, Daniel. How are you? I'm glad you're doing good today. I am doing good as well. And today, we're going to talk about home defense. Because it's a common thing that people are Googling out there. They're looking for information on it. They're reading about it. They're learning about it. Because uh, there's some things happening in the world that may... Call for some people to defend their homes in the future. And it's something we've always been thinking about. Well, most of us have been thinking about for many years. So uh, we haven't done an episode on it on Gunfighter Cast since Joe Wire, which were some really good episodes a couple of years ago about uh, a lot of the same things that will probably come up here, but from a different perspective. And uh, maybe there's some new tools, some new information and things out there to talk about. So plenty to discuss. Mark, when someone says home defense, I think that means something different to depending on who's hearing it. What does that mean to you? Well, basically, it means defending one's
1: home, where you live, where you sleep at night, where your family lives, where usually everything you care about is going to be. So it's probably the most important structure that you would have to defend and the one that you spend the most time in.
0: And when you're thinking about defending that home, there's obviously... You know, people think about, okay, I need a weapon for home defense. And uh, we, I think we think a lot of that way on a lot of things out there in the self-defense world. Okay, I need a handgun. Boom, got that self-defense things covered. But missing a lot of other factors to consider when you're trying to decide what weapon, uh, where is it going to be? A lot of different things to think about. So what are some of the factors that people need to think about when considering a home defense plan or a full home defense system?
1: I think that the classic layers of security model is probably pretty good, and you don't have to be really technical and have to have all the technical jargon of like the three rings of security and all that. You just have to understand that you need layers. That layers of security give you
0: buffers. Go into a little bit more detail about those layers. Like, what are we? What are we talking about here? You know, the the layout of your uh, area of denial. Do you have some final stand location? What is it? Yeah. So you have. Basically,
1: the exterior of your home, are there motion-activated lights? Are there cameras outside? Then moving to the breaching areas of the home, which is at any, any possible entry point, do you have you know hardened windows, hardened doors? Spiky shrubs
0: next to them. Sp- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's one of those recommendations that have yeah. been around for a long yeah. time. You gotta st- I think it's one of those things that keeps the honest people honest. It's not going to really deter the, the dedicated yeah person. Yeah. you can work you can work with
1: anything short of booby traps, but yeah, spiky plants, <laughs> it's probably okay. But hardened windows, hardened doors, you know, hurricane windows, hardened doors, you, know, longer screws, you know, stronger latch plates, all of those types of things are your external and breaching point, layers of security an alarm system, a large dog, or any dog that makes noise to just buy you some time. Every dog doesn't have to be an attack dog. And honestly, most dogs won't attack even the people that think they will. They're not going to. So anything that buys you time is excellent for your external and your outer layers of security that's going to give you that buffer to set up your plan, which is where you begin to consider what weapon where you're going to set up at where you're going to create your area of denial and make your stand at and where you're going to pick the fight to be all of those types of things happen because you buy yourself the time to do those to set those up with those external and outer layers of security
0: yeah those outer layers of security can buy you time and they can also serve as some kind of early warning device whether it is the motion sensors and alarm or if it's a uh, a dog barking or something that somebody has to really put in a lot of work to get through that front door, if that is what they're using, a glass breaking of a window, something that you're going to hear and realize something's going on that that serves as some type of an early warning device. There's a lot of things you could do to a door, uh, especially like a a front door to your house or the back door to your house that, uh, you know, put some better strike plates in there that will make a huge difference. I, I was pretty surprised how flimsy and how easy it was to get into most doors whenever I... First started doing the firefighting thing many years ago. It is not difficult, but somebody who's got one of those enhanced strike plates on there and the deeper screws and everything else, it changes the game a lot. Even with the not not the greatest door. Yeah, absolutely. I you know I did some work with
1: Alliance, uh, the training facility there, and we went around doing you know uh, mock hits on houses, abandoned houses, and we we kicked in quite a few doors. And I've seen a few doors kicked in before that too. And honestly, I probably the most memorable time, I was probably about 10 years old. I was in what was the family room of our home, and there was a home invasion. The door literally exploded open. Like the guy must have ran from like the next door neighbor's yard, like 25 yard dash, and just slammed into the back door. And there was nothing that kept that back door shut. Like that back door just exploded open there was just this guy guy, like standing in the doorway now, you know, it was like one second you're watching TV and the next second, boom, there's a guy in your doorway and your door's not there anymore. And that's exactly how that happened. So anything that you can do to harden that up, you know, if a person can access that house in like three seconds like that, you need to fix that point of entry, you know? So one of the first things you do is harden your doors, harden your entry points, for sure strong you know strong striker plates stronger latches and locks stronger and longer screws any type of devices you can add you know floor stops if you've got a slab house with concrete floor the the drop-in poles with the little bar that stops in the back of the door i mean those can be those can be pretty nice if you have one door that you don't want to mess with that'd be okay on a back door I don't suggest locking yourself in the house that way w- with all the doors blocked, but you know there's different things you can do that are gonna not only buy you time, but they they're gonna keep people out at least for long enough for you to get your plan together.
0: Yeah, not incredibly expensive, and i I've got one that I've used in the past that if it's still available out there i'll I'll put a link in the show notes of a way just to enhance that door for not a lot of money and uh, I, I think it's a great addition all around. Uh, I haven't moved so far in my current house that I'm renting since we, we just moved to Texas to have a, a security system. But you know, I, I would the technology is so cheap these days to have cameras outside to be able to see what's going on. And, and I don't really rely on, on a camera stopping something from happening. There's, there's so many cameras around all the time. that doesn't seem to, to stop people from certain behaviors anyway, like maybe it used to a few years ago. But I, I do like the idea of, of the security, especially when i away from home, being able to see what's happening especially if I'm out traveling and, and everything else. And if I own my house, maybe I do, and have access to it on my phone and something is happening, I can get some information, and uh, that information would be a good thing. So if we're talking about the layout of the house. So if we're, if we're thinking about building a, or de- establishing some sort of uh, home defense plan, you know, there's some considerations that we have to have out there, like how you live in. Me, I've got my wife and an 18-year-old boy, my son, and uh, a 10-year-old my other son in my house. So my considerations are going to be a little bit different than if it were just me and my wife or if it were just me alone. So what are some things people should be thinking about out there?
1: Well, what I teach in my courses based on, you know, all the training I've done and also my personal experiences, you know, I think that it's best not to go looking for a fight or to get sucked into a fight on someone else's terms. So what that means is that that urge to pick up your gun and go hunting and see what's happening is probably the worst idea. Especially if everything that you love is is behind you and you're going venturing out into you know, the house just aimlessly wandering around until you bump into a fight. That's not a very good plan. What's a better plan is to pick the area you want to have the most advantage to have the fight at and then you choose to have the fight there. So the best possible scenario and layouts really, you know, are going to determine whether this is possible for you or not. But the best possible option is to have an area of denial, what I call an area of denial and have that. So that would be maybe your bedroom and your kid's bedroom is all at the top of a hallway. And that hallway becomes the, the denied area of access. Like they, you, you're choosing to stop them at the other end of the hallway so you're at the end of the hallway with your bedrooms, but you're choosing to have the fight happen at the other end of the hallway because you have that boomstick that reaches across the room, right? So you don't have to be 20 feet over there for the fight to happen there. You just have to be able to put your rounds on target 20 feet on the other end of that hallway. And that's where the fight takes place. And then it's much harder for them to come through that area if you do positively identify an armed and dangerous intruder coming around that corner, you can choose to have the fight there and keep them away from your family and and where you're at. You also need to consider when you set up that area and you anticipate having a fight in that area, you don't want your backstop to be the neighbor's house or bedroom on the other side of the wall or uh, your kid's room. And you don't want the area that you're standing in to be backstopped by... Your family's occupied space, right? You want to be able to have, if there's missed rounds in that fight and there's going to be at least, at least on his end, right? They're going to fire and miss. And when they do, you don't want to be standing right in front of your family. Like you want to have this, you need to set these areas up in a way that determines where the angles of fire are, where the missed rounds would go, and also with enough space to keep them away from you and your loved ones and have that fight happen
0: away from you. Pre-plan a fight that, that I think both of us talk about in training classes a lot, uh, where I'm establishing myself. I am in the most dominant position in terms of vision, uh, information gathering, fields of fire. And I'm, where I would be engaging someone would have them in a less dominant position, a place where maybe they're channelized. They don't have appropriate cover with respect to foregrounds and backgrounds and backstops for my side and, and their side. So knowing that stuff ahead of time and looking at it at a good location and finding it is, it's just, it's basically pre-planning for kind of the same things we train for and, and think about out there on the square range or in the shoot house and force on force, whatever we're doing. It's just the same fundamental, Safety and, and good fighting principles apply. Absolutely. And, and one of the myths that
1: you don't want to fall into thinking is that you're, you're at somehow at a, an automatic advantage because it's your house and you know the terrain. Like that's a ridiculous line of thought. And the reason I say that is because it's not like your house is so incredibly different from everyone else's house. Like everyone has doorways, couches furniture we all have our houses set up in a very similar way meaning that there are places to sit and there are places to walk and that's pretty much it so when you have walking spaces inside of a house they're always going to be very similar and so if you've ever visited someone's house that you weren't familiar with and you got up in the night to use the bathroom or something it's not like you fell and you know got seriously injured because you had no idea how to navigate inside of this house. It's a ridiculous thought. Houses are not that different. Everyone has the same types of furniture and the same walk spaces, and it's not that hard to navigate those and understand intuitively that a doorway leads into another room, and then there's going to be spaces to walk and spaces to sit. Wow, that's how it works, huh? That's
0: how it works. All right. So how would someone look at their house and say, Look, this is probably my best place to set up my area of denial. This is where I should go because it's this room. Maybe it's the child's room. Maybe it's your, your master bedroom. Maybe it's the best place where I can gather. All the members of my family there are the easiest, but it doesn't actually be the best location. But given the time I may have available, this is it because I know I need to get my infant and my three-year-old over here. Uh, it'll be a lot easier just to move here with the rest of my family. Does that make sense? So where, how are we choosing our, our location to set up that aerial denial and how are we positioning ourselves? First of all,
1: you have to have everything you care about behind you, right? So that's a, that's a requirement. So wherever you set up at has to be in front of your family between them and the and the entry point that you're going to be defending from. And you have to have your, your position set up in a way that puts you at an advantage in terms of visual before they have a visual. So I always talk about trying to use cover so that you can have muzzle and eyes on the other end of the hallway or the, or the opening where they're, they're likely to emerge from. And you have time to positively identify them before they actually get a full picture of where you're at in that hallway. And all, if all you have are muzzle and eyes sticking out, then it takes them longer and you're much harder to see than if you were like a whole body or half a body standing there. So proper use of cover would be a requirement. Having your family behind you would be a requirement and not directly behind you because the the angles of fire and, and missed rounds, you want to make sure that nobody's endangered by that. And then you have this space that they need to come through, but in order to come through it, they would have to come through your superior position of firepower. And that would be incredibly overwhelming and difficult for them. And in most cases, you could at least discourage that fight from happening, if not ending the fight very quickly from a position like that.
0: When you talk about cover, you know, there's not a whole lot of things in a house that provide really good cover, particularly toward rifle caliber rounds. But there are some things. What are some ideas that that, uh, that you've seen people use or that you've used yourself or recommended for Making sure you have cover. When we talk about cover, I'm talking about things that actually stop bullets, not just provide concealment. But we do often see concealment acting the same as cover out there in dash cam video, in closed circuit TV video, in cell phone footage. Just the fact that they can't see the person, there's it's often that they're not shooting them through something that their bullets would easily pass through. I don't know if that's television conditioning or what. But uh, we do, in a lot of cases, see concealment acting the same as cover, more like a psychological cover, I
1: guess you could say. One thing I've used often is my my gun safe, yeah. right? So the positioning of my gun safe would be very, at least where a place where my family would be behind that, right? There, there's ex- pretty effective cover in that. That's a a pretty large safe, and it's very unlikely that a round is going to travel through that safe. Uh, very unlikely. So that's one thing that I think people can use if they want to. But uh, instead of standing, like don't do the obvious things like stand on the other side of a hollow core door, or, you know, things like that that are just drywall and two by fours or doors that have, you know, just a skin on each side. And there's just a little board in the center of it holding it together, like most residential in, internal doors are like that. So anything like that is just going to be like paper to a round coming through. But doorways, you know, the, the, the edges of the doorway, you know, where the, uh, where the wall meets the doorframe, things like that. There's a little more wood. there. There's a little more, nothing is going to stop a bullet, but you can definitely discourage the energy of one with a couple of, uh, a couple of boards and things like that. And the best, the best case scenario is you're going to have to put rounds on your target. Unless you have a gun safe set up in the corner where you're using it for cover, then you are talking about concealment versus cover, and that's going to be an issue where you're going to have to just shoot the guy before he shoots you, and that's all there is to it, unless you want to take the time to put up something in an area like a gun safe that's going to give you that that ultimate ballistic coverage.
0: Yeah, I would go another step and put some, some steel in the wall there or something. Who knows? I've got some friends who have done some pretty creative things for home defense type stuff, but they also have a lot more assets than other people like the, working in the, the steel industry and, and welders, and they come up with some, some pretty crazy stuff and redo their houses. And I've seen uh, some pretty robust safe rooms that also serve as uh, tornado shelters in, um, in Kansas that are that are pretty impressive that, that people are using for double as their home defense and for tornado shelters, which you definitely need tornado shelters living in that part of the world. You can't have a home defense discussion on the internet without talking about gun choice. It's just one of those things that has to be present. What do you teach people Would recommend when people, people ask you what kind of gun should they have for home defense? Well, you know, that's
1: a little bit of a personal matter. But as a recommendation, I, I start with, you know, the the AR is a very easy weapon to handle. And ballistically, it's very. it works very well inside of structures, especially if you choose the right type of ammunition for that. It can lose a lot of its mass going through walls and things like that, so it doesn't have as much over-penetration choosing the proper ammunition, of course. Now, if you're choosing, you know... Armor-piercing rounds, and you've got steel tip, this and that. Then you're going to start having over penetration issues. But typical 55 grain XM193, the drawbacks with a weapon like that, you know, first of all, the, the the sound pressure is going to be immense, especially if you're in a hallway and you don't have ear protection on. You're going to deafen yourself very quickly with with something like that going off in a closed space. So anything like that is going to have its its pros and its cons. A pistol. Can be very effective, but again, it comes down to experience and how much you have trained with that. Being able to handle that a pistol is a pistol can be pointing in any direction at any time, and if a situation gets chaotic, you have to know where that pistol is pointing. And it's very easy to spin around with that with that weapon up.
0: And- you know, a lot of folks might hear this and, and not really get what's going on right here, what, what, what you're talking about. We see it every single weekend out there on the range in a class, it is so much easier to be dangerous with a handgun as far as your safety and safety people around you than it is with a rifle. Absolutely. It is much more easy to be safe with a rifle than it is with a handgun as far as you know safe weapons handling and not injuring the people that you bought that gun and you own it to protect. The rifle is much easier. It is much easier to be accurate with the rifle than it is with the handgun. But it's also heavier. Yes. It's harder to, to grab that gun and employ it and carry my child at the same time if I'm trying to get to my my area with my children. Whatever it is, there, there's some things to think mm-hmm. about there. But if you have a, a very distinct lack of training with a handgun, then you know the handgun may not be the best choice. I think yeah. is what you're saying. And I, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I think the rifle's
1: easier to handle. I think it's it's easy to be accurate with and it's very effective and it also has some other benefits you know as far as penetration goes but again you know it's heavy heavier it's loud uh, it's not easily manipulated or handled with one hand but on the other end of it if you don't have specific training with how to handle a pistol or a handgun in a chaotic or stressful situation then that's something you really need to think about there too, because it's, it's very easy to lose control or lose track of that weapon in your movements. And people don't understand what that means. You're correct. I think that's, that's probably a good amount of people who are just perplexed by that statement. But if you go and spend some time in a range or, or at least attend some type of CQB training, it'll all click to you and the light bulbs will go off for the first two days. And you're like, Oh, wow. I had no idea how easy it was to lose track of my weapon or lose track of what I was doing or not understand. All I needed to do was open this door, and I had so much on my mind that I couldn't even get that done.
0: Opening that door just got really hard. Yeah, exactly. We did not talk about shotguns. Look, people get angry at me all the time. I love shotguns. I used to carry a Mossberg 500 doing VBSS in the Marine Corps back in the day. Love me some shotguns, but unless you're shooting non-lethal ammunition or breaching doors for me personally the shotgun doesn't really have any place in my life anymore. I agree. I agree. Wow, that's interesting. I didn't think anybody else would agree with me on that one. I do, actually. So but a lot of there's this this whole misconception people are like, "Oh, just get a shotgun and you don't need to aim it." Man, that's that's, that's not accurate. They they like to think that people consider that we're shooting out our pattern that comes out of this gun with if we're using buckshot or whatever we're using that is just this wide path that's going to obliterate everything in its path. And that's, that's not the case. That's not the way shotguns work. No. And when someone says that, the first thing I say is, well, what
1: is the diameter of your pattern for your shotgun and the ammunition you're using at home at 12 feet or 15 feet or 20 feet? They don't know. They have no idea. They just, they just think that it does what they think it does. But they don't know that you take your shotgun with your choice of ammunition and stand at 12 feet and 15 feet and 20 feet and shoot a clean piece of paper and then measure how wide that spread is. And most of you are going to be really surprised that it doesn't spread out that much at 15 feet or 20 feet. Like it stays pretty tight. And there's some ammunition that really stays tight. You get into flight control or something like that. They, they really hold a pattern. But if you haven't patterned your shotgun in that manner, then you absolutely do not know what you're talking about.
0: Yeah, no, and, and if you if your choice, that's what you have, that's what you can afford, what you've already got, you're not going to get anything else and you have a shotgun, look, I ain't mad at you. I think, like, great, you have something, and that's a, a great place to be, and, and you're ahead of a lot of people out there. So I'm not I'm not talking smack on it or anything, but you need to go pattern that shotgun. Yes. You need to understand what that shotgun's doing at the distances that you are likely to use it absolutely, at. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. I might not like personally like shotguns. I, I don't. I own a couple. But they, they're safe queens to me. I do not really like a big, unwieldy weapon that I can't even fit through a hallway with unless I turn it straight up and down. Like it's just, it's, it's not workable for me. And that's okay because if someone else wants to put the time in or that's all they have, that's great. But at least, like Daniel says, go out and put a clean piece of paper up and stand at whatever distance you think you'll be at in your house or the farthest distance you think you'll be in your house, and fire around straight into the center of that paper, and then look at how far that spreads out. And you're going to be surprised in most cases, you're going to be surprised that it doesn't spread that much at a home defense distance. And when you realize that, you realize that you have to be accountable for where you aim and where you shoot. You have to be able to shoot the weapon you know, with some proficiency, you have to be able to put the round where you want it because it doesn't just spread out. And the other thing that is pretty important about the shotgun is the double up buck. If you think about that, this, what is that? Like uh eight or nine pellets that are basically 39 or 38 caliber rounds that are just flying through the air. And penetration is a gigantic consideration for a weapon like that. A 12 gauge double up buck, will send thirty-eight caliber pellets through three or four rooms and exit the house in most, you know, standard U.S. residential structure. And so if you do miss, that's a tremendous amount of light. That's like firing, you know, seven or eight 38s at the same time in a random direction and, and seeing what happens. Like you have to be accountable for your rounds, know what your spread is, know what the pattern is going to be at certain distances and be able to use that weapon well enough to know that you're not just going to send rounds off into your neighbor's house.
0: For simplicity's sake, I tell people, whether you're using 9 millimeter, 5.56, five, double all buck, don't really care, I do not recommend birdshot it's for, for shooting birds uh, in clays. I expect your round, whatever you're going to do, wherever you're going to fire, expect it to go through five walls. Whether it's your five walls or somebody else's five walls or yours is three of them and somebody else's two walls, expect a, at least five walls. So that whatever round you're choosing, there's not any magic bullet that stops at sheet rock, but ends a bad guy's life or, or makes some changes in behavior very well. That, that magic bullet doesn't exist. So have a good backstop and know where your round's going to go and have your, with your whole area of denial set up in the right location. Absolutely. Good advice. Or put a bookshelf in the back of that to, to reduce the, the chances of, of rounds passing through. Whatever you could do to create a backstop on the, the bad guy's area where you'd be firing as well. I'm a believer in having a light, uh, if it's a home defense gun, it needs a weapon-mounted light on it. I'll have a handheld on my nightstand, they're ready to go, but I, I will also have a weapon-mounted light on my handgun used for home defense and on my rifle. What say you arc freeborn? I agree 100% a weapon-mounted lights for inside the house is mandatory. There's been so many cases throughout history where armed citizens have killed loved ones in their homes because they didn't realize it was their loved one. And I, I, just, I can't think of a, a bigger nightmare than me hurting a family member or killing a family member because I wasn't able to, or I chose not to, positively identify what I was gonna put a bullet in. This is a grave responsibility when you take a firearm in your hand, in the darkness, at nighttime, with your family around, because you think you have an intruder in your house. You've got to know where every single family member is and where every single bullet is going. Fully agree. Another thing in that um, we, um I have these all over my house. We have three locations with medical kits in my house that are like trauma kits. And then, you know, there's medicine cabinets for all the minor boo-boo stuff and, you know, Tylenol and Band-Aids and all the other stuff. But like legit stop-the-bleed trauma kits in, in three locations in the house and each car, we, we have a we're pretty heavy... I guess medical family, me and the wife practicing the training, some some medical stuff to make sure that you know we're ready if, if somebody sticks their hand through a window or if there's a shooting, uh, anything like that. So having medical kits staged, having some way to um, you know typically we have our phones in our, our bedroom, so but having a phone so you can call 911 would be definitely a consideration. What other considerations are out there, Mark? Understanding where your family is
1: going to be and just get them to a point where you can uh, get them in place for whatever your plan is. I think that's one we didn't talk about, and it's probably a really important one. And one of the rules that I typically say is you want to try to have your plan down to about a 10-second execution. So I know that's a really lofty goal for some people, and depending on your layout of your house and how far your kid's away, it can be pretty difficult to accomplish. But the reason I say that is because after analyzing a fairly decent amount of home invasion tapes, it seems like from the first kick to the point of fully breached inside of the house is about 10 seconds. And within 10 seconds, most doors seem to be breached by the average uh, home invader. So at best, without hardening your doors or anything, at best, you're looking at a 10 second uh, window of time that from the first bang to having someone in your house. And so having that put together, understanding where your family needs to be, having them understand that if you, you know, hit, you come in and you're, you're snatching them up in the middle of the night that, they have down what it is to do automatically. Like, Oh, something's wrong. Go to this room, you know, or go be with mommy or something like that. Like you got that stuff down pat. So that when you put this into action, it's been rehearsed. Yeah. You're not looking for your gear. You're not looking for your light. You're not trying to strap your light back on your rifle. Like none of that is taking place. Everything is ready to go. The family is ready to go. Everything's in place and then boom, you're in position and now the fight can come to you and you're absolutely ready.
0: A lot of good information. If you got any questions, drop them in the comment section under the show notes here. And you can always reach out to me and Varg anytime. Uh, Varg, anything else to add that we left out? I know, obviously, you can't cover everything in home defense in like 34, 35 minutes, and uh, it's just never going to happen. Definitely some good things to think about for people out there. Any last things to add? Yes, I actually wrote a pretty lengthy article about this
1: on the MagLife blog, and you can go over there and check that out, Uh,
0: considerations for home defense. Yeah, I'll link that in the show notes here, or we'll have Leah, our producer, do that and uh that we have a producer now we're like big dogs on the house right here we got a a producer big time made it speaking of the podcast gunfighter cast is part of the firearms radio network check out all the other good shows out there on the network and please remember that we are changing you'll see a new graphic go up in the very near future sometime toward the end of this month and the name will change to the mag life podcast it'll no longer be gunfighter cast we'll have a a sad final episode is Gunfighter Cast and switch over to the MagLife podcast. Lots of good things in store in the future. And uh, we're on a nice little run here of episodes every week. Guys, thanks for joining us. Thanks for being a part of the crew here. If you have any questions, we love them. We love new topic ideas, new new concepts, new things to discuss on the podcast without me and Vark having to think of them. So jump in, start uh, communicating with us, whether it's on the comments on the blog or through either one of our Facebook pages. I'm Daniel Shaw, 0369, on all social media. Vargas, Varg Freeborn. are both pretty easy to find. And until next time, really appreciate you joining us. And uh, until then, Gunfighter Cast out.